You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. All right, part three, the last part in our series on formed. Until Christ is formed in you, Galatians 4.19. In recent weeks in my scripture classes, I showed the kids, the kindergarten kids, a photo of myself and Steve, and that's the photo there that I showed them. And I asked them, how have I changed? How have I changed? And of course, they, they, they pretty quickly said, well, your hair's different. It's, it's darker there and it's shorter there. And then they said to me, well, you're wearing different clothes. And then um, one of them said, well, your face is smoother in that photo. Some of them just came right out and said it. Uh, you look older now and you have wrinkles now. Um, how have you changed in the last, I reckon that's about at least 10 years old, a bit over 10 years. How, how have you changed? Is it for the better? Now, we might not think our outward appearance changes for the better. In fact, rarely do we think our outward appearance changes for the better. Um, but, but who are you on the inside? How is the, the we or the me? of the inside of us changed. And if you were asked, well, what has caused that change? What would your answer be? How how have you changed? How do people change? And that's what we're going to look at today. How do people change? When we talk about spiritual formation, how does it happen? What is it that goes on to cause change in our life? So, of course, when we talk about Christian spiritual formation, we're talking about being changed to be more like Jesus. At its simplest, that's, that's what we're referring to here. Now, as I was pondering this this week, I was thinking, you know, if I was to, to look back on, on my life, I would say often my reasons for wanting to change probably haven't been all that healthy. I think they've kind of been the wrong reasons. And... Um, I've kind of worded that in the past tense in the hope that that I've now sort of grown through that. I now have healthy reasons for wanting to change, but um, sometimes I do do wonder. Um, But if I was honest, I would say in my early 20s, the change that I was desiring in my life um, was more about me not liking myself and I wanted to change because I didn't like who I was. Um, Maybe it was a bit of a revelation of my sin, maybe, but, but really, I suspect change for me was more about wanting to feel better about myself. So it was more of a self-esteem-based desire for change. Of course, I still kind of have that tendency to want to improve, to want to get better at things. Maybe it's a bit of a personality trait that I have. Um, I always want to be liked by others, but I'm thinking I'm probably not alone in that. I think we probably all are nodding our head with that one. I want to belong, I want to be accepted and there's always that temptation, isn't there, to want to be successful and to achieve significant things and I think that's a bit of a temptation that our society kind of places on us. But but as I reflect on all of those reasons for wanting to change, I think they're kind of self-help orientated reasons for change, aren't they? They're kind of self-improvement motivations um, to want to see spiritual formation in my life. And so I think instead of all of those self-reasons for wanting to change, 
I, I think a better reason for us to desire spiritual formation and the change that it brings would be worship. I think worship is a better reason to desire change. And so when I say worship, I mean things like, you know, wanting to honour God. That's why we desire change in our life. Wanting to steward the life he's given us. That should be why we want to see change. Wanting to be who he's made us to be. You know, we're made in his image as his representatives here on earth, aren't we? And so wanting to grow into that calling, that's a good thing to desire that. Wanting to do things as God would do. Wanting to be able to enjoy him more fully. They're good reasons to desire change. They're worship reasons to desire change. And ultimately, what that will mean is that we will be more content and at peace in ourselves as a, as a byproduct of that. So with this in mind, I just want to highlight a great quote from the Renovare series that this is based on. And they say this, they say, the goal of Christian spiritual formation is intimate, loving connection and relationship with the Trinity. What do you think about that quote? Is that your desire and goal? Intimate, loving connection and relationship with the Trinity. The quote then continues and they say, one of the really beautiful outcomes of that friendship is transformation. And so in all of this, I think relationship is our main aim. And it's then out of this intimate, loving connection and relationship with the Trinity that we see change in our life. And then it's in the context of this loving relationship that we become like the God we worshipped. We worship, and that, that's what we looked at last week, wasn't it? We become like the God we worship. Uh, I could point you also to a previous sermon on righteousness. So if you think back to our Rock Solid series, the last one, number seven in that series, I talked about righteousness starting in the heart and it being about a trusting relationship with our Heavenly Father. And so what I want to make clear is that any conversation that we have about the development of our Christian character, our values, our Christ-likeness, it must be grounded in that loving relationship with God. And it's in the context of this loving relationship with God that um, it sees us become people who live and love well. People who live and love well. And I don't know about you, but I, I want to be someone who lives and loves well. All of this sounds good, yes. But how? <laughs> well, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? It sounds good, but how? How does having a loving relationship with God actually change us? Because many people in our world would say they have a relationship with Jesus, but do they live and love well? Maybe not all the time. Do they exemplify you know, optimal functioning in all aspects of human life? Well, often no. And so does change and formation just happen? Like, is it just this kind of supernatural move of the Holy Spirit power? Does it just the Holy Spirit just suddenly heal us and refine us and change us? Is, is it something that is as natural and as automatic as the development of those wrinkles when we age? Or do we play some role in this? 
I mean, what do you think? Do we play some role in this? I mean, we might apply sunscreen and wear a hat to minimise the effects of um, age and sun on our skin, mightn't we? And so, so is there a contribution that we make to our spiritual formation? Should we expect change to happen quickly or will it happen over a lifetime? Again, like the development of those wrinkles. I think because God is an artist and not a factory foreman, and we are people, we are his masterpiece, Ephesians, Ephesians 2.10, we're his masterpiece, not robots, I think the answer is not going to be a neat three ways to be transformed by Jesus. It's not that simple. God will shape and work and tend to your soul in really unique ways, a very individual and, and quite mysterious ways, very personal ways. And I guess I don't want to misrepresent this process of spiritual formation by placing it in that neat box, like that God box I spoke about last week. However, in saying that, I think it is helpful for us to be able to sort of conceptualise this process of how change happens so that we actually have something tangible to apply and to notice in our life and to, to maybe prioritise in our life. And so here's a, there's a helpful model for us to consider from the Renovare course. I've kind of tweaked it just slightly and added a few little, little bits to it. Um, but I think this is a really helpful model to help us conceptualise the process of change and spiritual formation in us. So I want you to think of, and maybe you can't see that, but that's a grey triangle there. Uh, I want you to think about our life and formation as a triangle. And at the centre of that triangle, we have our friendship with the Trinity, our friendship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, so God, our relationship with God. Colossians 3.3 says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And so in salvation, we, we enter into this divine love life of the Trinity. And I... I love this language of being hidden with Christ in God. Isn't that beautiful language? Like it's just a, this image of being immersed and, and kind of cocooned and protected and, and just so intimately involved with God. And, and so the centre of our life and being is God. And of course, our life with God also includes the work and the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. So the conviction and the comfort and the power and the, the, the gifts that the Spirit gives and the fruit that the Spirit grows. And so we're changed through the act of relating to God as friend. And part one of this formed series looked at what it meant to be with Jesus as a friend. John 15, 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I have made known to you. So the friendship with the Trinity is the center and the source of our life and our formation. Now, your triangle will have other points that I'm about to talk about, but without this center, it's not Christian formation. So you could have the other points and you'll get some sort of formation and it might even seem like spiritual formation, but if you don't have that relationship with the Trinity at the heart of your life, the, at the centre of your triangle, 
it's not Christian spiritual formation that you are getting. It is something else. Christian community is the next part of this triangle. And so you'll see that coming in there inside the triangle, but sort of sitting adjacent to that centre circle. So Christian community, it's got a, it plays a close second here. It's important, but obviously not quite as central as the life of God. Um, so we're hidden in God, but we're immersed, aren't we, in the, the wider atmosphere of the church the body of Christ. So our Christian community and our Christian relationships wrap around our life in God. How good's that? God, then our, our Christian community wraps around our life in God. 1 Corinthians 12, 19 to 21 says, if they're all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. This, of course, is a, is a metaphor for the church, the body of Christ, who we are as believers who, who come together as God's people, where we're described as a body. And, and so other believers are essential to our life and formation, as essential as the hand is to the foot, as the, the, the stomach is to the mouth, we're essential to one another for our life and our formation. And so we can't say, I don't need you. I'll grow in Christ on my own. I only need God. I only need the, the middle triangle, the middle circle bit. No, we need each other, don't we? We need the church. Of course, you can say, well, I can be a Christian without going to church. And yes, that's true. God will still love you. He won't, he won't stop loving you. You're still saved but I, I think your spiritual formation is going to be stunted if you're not part of the body life of the church. And, and do you know what? More than that, others are going to miss out on the formation that you bring them. We need each other. So those two are the who's of our life. They're the relationships that form us. Okay, So we're formed by those relationships. And they're the central uh, foundational parts of our, our triangle of formation. So let's look at the points now. Uh, the top point there, the picture we have of God. The picture we have of God. Romans 12.2. Um, uh, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. So the, the picture we have of God uh, are the things that we believe about God. And we spoke about that last week, didn't we? What is our picture of God? But I think it also includes, well, what is our picture of who Jesus is, of what the gospel is? We had a great example of that earlier from our kids, didn't we? What salvation is. E even our picture of who we are as, as people created in the image of God. These things are all going to influence, for better or for worse, our formation. And so this aspect at the top of the triangle is all about our thinking. It's the world of our mind. And so there in Romans 12 too, we're told to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and that this is what enables us to, to know and understand and appreciate and value God's will. 
As I said, we touched on the idea of what is our picture of God last week, but uh, the rest of this Renovare series, if you look it up, actually has some topics on our picture of the gospel and our picture of ourselves as things that really are key influences in our formation. Uh, When we have a healthy picture of God, we will know what God's will is, and so we're going to understand what God's heart is, what he desires We're going to understand what God's ways in the world are. And and that then starts to rub off on us. Remember what we said uh, previously? We said we become like the God we worship. And so it's essential that we have that um, that healthy picture of who God is and and who we are. We become like the God we worship. So that's the the next part. Um, Next we have ordinary events of life. So the the left-hand bottom point there on the triangle, the ordinary events of life. And some of those things I I covered in uh, the first sermon, formed uh, number one there. Uh, Romans 8.28, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I think everything that happens in life, and that's the good, the bad, and the really, really ugly, Um, they are part of what God uses to shape and form us. Now, today's not a sermon about the theology of suffering or an apologetic talk about why a good God allows bad things. But I think it's helpful for us to understand and acknowledge that as human beings, we're shaped by our environment. We're shaped by the circumstances of life. That's just how the world works. It's how we as human beings work. And God can and God will use all of the circumstances, everyday life, even the really boring and mundane ones. Sometimes I think it's actually the boring and mundane ones that he can shape us with uh, the the, the most. But he brings all of these things together um, to uh, bring his good purposes to fruition in our life. I think we sometimes... um, don't understand how much input we actually have into the ordinary aspects of our daily life. We actually have a lot of choice over the ordinary parts of our life. I mean, we have free will, don't we? And so we can choose, we can plan, we can prioritise, we can create or break habits and routines. I think the stuff we do in our daily life, we actually have a fair degree of autonomy in. I mean, we're not robots, are we? And I think particularly living in Australia, we have a lot of freedom and autonomy in in our daily life. And so that includes things like our our job, our hobbies, our education, our our money, our friends, our food, our time. Um, All of these things, uh, I I think we we can influence our own spiritual formation to a degree. We have choice about what we do and how we respond to life. We have choice about how receptive we are to God's good work in these very ordinary events of our life. I think the other aspect of our formation that we have choice and control in is actually on the other side of our triangle there and it's our spiritual practices or sometimes disciplines, they're called spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. We, we can choose to do those or choose not to do those. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2 says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race that's marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. I would say that spiritual practices are the actions we take to throw off the things that hinder our formation, to throw off the sin that prevents us growing in Christ. Spiritual practices are the way we run our Christian race. They're the things we do that help us to fix our eyes on Jesus. And so spiritual practices include things like meditation, prayer, fasting, study, things like simplicity, solitude, submission, service, confession, worship, guidance, celebration, all of those those different practices that Christians do. They allow us to position ourselves before God so that he can transform us. They, they are a, a means of drinking what he offers. The Renovare course gives a great analogy. The, the lady who presents it, she says this. She says, a picture came to mind. I could see a pool at the bottom of a beautiful waterfall. And I knew that that represented the blessings God had for me. Peace and love and acceptance and wholeness and the fullness of his presence. And there was no fence around the water. And I could jump in any time I wanted. But I was running distractedly around the shoreline, sweaty, parched, and complaining about my need for refreshment. It occurred to me that maybe the disciplines were simply ways I could wade into the pool and stand beneath the waterfall. And so the point that of spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices is that they're not supposed to be disciplines in the sense of chores or burdens or obligations, boring things we don't want to do, things that God just makes us do. Practices is probably really a better word, isn't it, than disciplines. Practices, spiritual practices, because it it practices, it gives us this sense of the regularity with which we're to do them. You know, they're to be habitual, they're to be done regularly. A bit like, you know, those of you who've grown up learning the piano, you, you have to practice it regularly, or another instrument, you have to practice it regularly for it to shape and form your brain and, and the muscle memory so that you can just sort of play that instrument automatically and without thought. And so spiritual practices can be thought of as an invitation to enter into this this beautiful waterfall. They position us in the flow of the living water of the Trinity, of God. And so when we ask, how does God change us? I think the best answer I can give would be that it's this, this beautiful interplay between what we believe to our thoughts, what we do with our actions, And then the who of our life, the relational aspect of our life with God and other believers. And I think what's helpful about seeing this as a a triangle model is that you'll notice that each point is kind of connected to the other points. And so our, our spiritual practices will actually facilitate the friendship that we have with the Trinity. Our spiritual practices will will, uh, assist with the the, um, relationship we have with other believers. And so things like the the practice of worship or or corporate celebration or or prayer with other believers, they're all things that are going to influence and enhance and and build your relationships there at the centre of the triangle. 
our spiritual habits will also be connected to the thoughts or the beliefs or the picture we hold of God. And so things like study, study of the Bible, meditation, meditating, chewing over his word, they're practices that can help shape or correct our beliefs about God, about salvation, about, about us. Our spiritual practices will also influence everyday life. And so the, the, while the rest of our world out there is, is living a noisy, busy, media-saturated, pleasure-centred, work-orientated, money-focused life of the 21st century person, you'll be taking time out in your week for Sabbath, a day of rest with God. You'll be taking time out to practice stillness and solitude. You'll, you'll begin your day with quiet prayer and meditation. You'll value opportunities to serve others rather than to just get ahead. You'll look to humbly practice submission rather than trying to be on top. And, you know, in doing so, those ordinary events of your life are, are going to start to look different. Of course, the opposite is true too. We can allow the ordinary events of our life to get in the way of spiritual practices to prevent them from happening. So maybe you're thinking, well, yep, okay, I agree. But um, I did that. It's hard and it didn't work. Lasted a week. One week of that uh, yearly Bible reading plan or something, whatever. Didn't stick. I kept forgetting. It was too time-consuming. I mean, I mean, let's face it. If everything I've said there is so true and amazing, these spiritual tasks, if it was so easy or great to do, then we'd just all be doing it, wouldn't we? And there'd be no need for me to preach this sermon. I don't know, maybe there's no need for me to preach this sermon. No, I'm just preaching to myself. I need to hear this message. <laughs> Sounds good in theory, doesn't it? But in practice, man... Sometimes it can feel like trying to fly to the moon. Hey? Do you know India? India is the most recent nation to land a spacecraft on the moon. They did it just at the end of August. It's no easy feat, is it, to land a, a spacecraft on the moon? And this was actually their second attempt. And a week prior to that, Russia had tried but failed to land a spacecraft on the moon. Apparently the launch budget for the uh, Indian spacecraft was about 75 million. And did you know that that's actually less money than what it cost to produce the 2013 Hollywood space thriller Gravity? So it actually cost India less to actually go to the moon than what it costs to make a Hollywood movie about going to space. Hey? Like it's cheaper to actually do it than to make a movie pretending you've done it. That's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? Don't you think? Doesn't make sense to me. Uh, for us, I think it can seem like it's hard and costly to engage in a lifestyle of spiritual habits and practices. So instead, what we do is we, we settle for a fake imitation version of Christian living and Christian formation. We make a movie 
instead of going to the moon? But what if, what if it actually costs us less in the long run to make the effort to choose and focus our life upon Jesus in this way? Like what if the benefits of spiritual formation and subsequently being transformed in our inner person to live and love well, what, what if that actually gets us where we really want to be without anywhere near the same cost that faking our way through Christianity will actually cost us? So, yes, it is hard. Yes, it is costly to engage in a lifestyle of, of, of spiritual practices. But I think it's cheaper than faking your way through life. It's cheaper to have the real thing. It's easier to have the real thing. Is there one practice in particular that you'd like to explore further? Incorporate into your life. You, you don't have to go to the moon tomorrow. The space program of countries, it takes years. They don't just decide to go and then fly. It takes years. I'd like to invite you over the coming three months, choose a spiritual practice that you don't already do. Or maybe you do it, but you, you just want to make it a more regular part of your life. Learn about it. Read about it. Listen to others talking about it. Talk with each other about it. Get excited about it. Have a go at it. Do it. Practice it. Notice what happens in your life when you do it. Notice what happens in your life when you don't do it. I'd encourage you to also maybe get hold of the book Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Or uh, to head to the website Practicing the Way, which is one by John Mark Comer, and check out some of his resources about spiritual practices. And I'll, I'll pop links to all of these resources online when I post this sermon. Maybe that's a step too far. Instead, why don't you have a look at this Renovare course? It's, it's really uh, quite simple and approachable. It's, it's got a reflective journal that you can download. It's got podcasts you can listen to and just some really short 20-minute videos that you can watch. And again, I'll, I'll, link, I'll link that when I upload this sermon. Can I invite you to just take a step towards the moon? And um, yeah, I think when we do that, we'll be really surprised at what God does in and, and through us as believers. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, um, we look to you for all that we need for um, life and, and, and godly living. We know that you are the centre and the source. And so, Lord, may our relationship and our intimacy with you grow and deepen. Lord, I thank you for the, 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 the wraparound relationship of our church. May we support and encourage and just excite one another. About, uh, about you and about being formed into the image of Christ. And Lord, may we just diligently and reflectively um, notice and look and, and choose, uh, choose things that will, um, yeah, that will cause us to step into that waterfall, Lord. Would you help us to incorporate aspects of these spiritual practices into our everyday life? And Lord, I just pray that as we do that, you would truly uh, transform and change us. 
Lord, our heart's desire is that we would worship you and honour you and grow into the people that you have made and created and called us to be. And so I just pray that by the power of the Holy Spirit over the coming, uh, coming three months, that you would just do a new, good, powerful work in our lives, that we would indeed be shaped and formed and built up in you, I pray. Amen.